So I know, and I've heard it this morning and mentioned it in the first service, um, I know many of you are here and you want to know how sabbatical was. Tell us all the things you did on sabbatical and all the things you learned on sabbatical. Um, and I'm, I can't do that. <laughs> um, a, I don't think there's enough time. And B, uh, I'm not sure I've quite processed it all yet. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was unreal. But the one thing I do want to say before we jump into Hebrews chapter 11 and finish out this series that we started back in May, um, the one thing I do want to say is in every way I know, sabbatical worked. Um, and, and how did it work? Uh, I, like I said, I think I'm still kind of working that out, but it was beautiful. Um, and so I think the biggest thing that Kristen and I wanted to make sure that we said today was thank you. Thank you. For, I think I sat here about 14 weeks ago and said this whole thing is weird, and I'm not really sure I like it. After about five weeks, which I say four, but Kristen says five, so we'll go with five. Um, after about five weeks, I, I really fell in love with sabbatical <laughs> and, uh, and started to kind of see um, the, the, the benefits and all of that. And I was talking with a, a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine down in North Carolina, about the middle of June, and it was about the five-week mark. And I said, this is a gift. This is a gift. And so we wanted to say thank you for the gift. Thank you for the gift that was sabbatical because it was um, one of the best gifts my family's ever received. Um, Kristen and the kids, and maybe even our dog Moosin a little bit. <laughs> like we've shown more love to her in the last few weeks than we have in a long time. Um, and, uh, and, and so it was good. Um, Thank you to all of those. I, I think I've got this down. Zan, Ian, Russ, Rick, um, Dylan, Stacy, um, those that filled this pulpit. Uh, phenomenal. I haven't listened to a message yet. Uh, I listened to about half of one of Stacy's messages, and that was it. Um, just because I was really curious how he dealt with one of the things in Moses. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't listened to one of the messages yet. It's been killing me. I've been dying to listen to them, but um, I, I, I might get through all of them this week. Um, but I don't really feel the need to listen to them because I've heard incredible things about uh, the messages that were preached in my absence. I had no doubt uh, in those folks, and it was awesome. Uh, thank you to those of you that... that, that um, Redid my office. That's unreal. I was not expecting that. We drove home from North Carolina. We got home at like 5.30 in the morning, and Kristen had to grab something, and she came out. I was sleeping because she had finished the drive, and she came out and kind of woke me up, and she's like, you got to go look at your office. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, go look at your office. And I walked in. The cabinets were painted, and unbelievable. So thank you to whoever. I know a couple people that did that, but thank you. Um, and... Um, and, and every other person that stepped up in one way or another. I was talking before the first service to a couple of our ladies in the lobby, and they said, so do we get to go on sabbatical now? And I said, well, we'll pray about that. Um, no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, 
but thank you. I know, I know a lot of you stepped up in many ways, and so thank you for that. It was a beautiful gift. All right, so now that, um, and, I, and I'm sure, like I'm sure, one more thing, I'm sure bits and pieces about sabbatical are going to kind of come out over time. And uh, so just, just be gracious with me. I know you want to know all the things we did, all the things we learned, and every step and all that stuff. Um, we might tell you. Anyway, um, but, uh, but speaking of gifts, as we kind of wrap up this, um, this message in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, um, which, which how many of you know how Paul makes his coffee? He brews it. Some of the things I've been studying on sabbatical, right there. Um, and so Hebrews chapter 11, I've got more, don't worry. Um, but Hebrews chapter 11, uh, as we look towards the end of it, uh, as we look towards the end of it, I want to talk about the gift. Uh, I want to talk about the gift. How many of you love to wrap presents? How many of you love to wrap gifts? Okay, some of you, some of you. And some of you that are really gift wrappers, right? You like to do the bow thing where you tie it on both sides and stuff. Is that you? Do you like to? Okay, good. Anybody like to do that where you tie it on both sides? Okay, I'm, I'm seeing some finger pointing. All right. Um, very good. Uh, well, how many of you are just like, give me the present? Like put it in a Hannaford shopping bag. Like it doesn't matter, right? That's probably the side I'm on. Like I look at and no offense to those rappers, right? God speaks to us in different ways, and we are all necessary in the body of Christ. And so I'm not devaluing you whatsoever, okay? You have a lot of value to someone. Um, but, but to me, right, the rapping is an obstacle, like almost an unnecessary I know that sounds harsh. It's not the way I'm intending to be. Again, if you're a gift rapper, all the blessings to you. Just let me know in advance so I can bring the chainsaw to get in that thing, okay? Um, because sometimes man, just the, the bow is, is tied so tight. It's Anyway, um, when, I, when God laid this message series on my heart back in January, I couldn't wait for this message. Because the concern that I have about us, okay, the concern that I have about church today, and you've probably heard me reference this in a lot of different ways, and maybe I've used the gift illustration before, but I think a lot of us get so consumed with the wrappings of church that we miss the gift. That so many of us get consumed with the extras, that, that we get consumed with going through the motions and checking the right boxes and raising our hands during this line of this song or, you know, clapping he here or, you know, doing this and saying the amens in the right place or, or what have you, right? And we get so consumed and so concerned with the wrappings that, that have become church and the traditions that have become church and the sacred cows that have become church that we miss the gift. And that's really what the writer of Hebrews gets to at the end of this passage, at the end of Hebrews chapter 11. So let's look at it. It goes a little bit like this. I'm going to read it from the back screen um, with you. And so Hebrews chapter 11 verse 39, and all these, what's he referencing? 
All these, all these stories, all these, no, keep it up there, all these testimonies, right? All these testimonies that we have just heard about, that we've looked at for the last 17 weeks, all these stories, all these, though commended through their faith, right? Because we, we talked about it very early on in the series, and if you weren't a part of it, go back and listen to it. Jesus bore witness, God bore witness about each one of these stories in their faith. And their faith, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better. Everybody say something better. Something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, I think there's two things that we've got to point out from these two verses. And the first is just that, the something better. The something better. These two words draw attention to the salvation that is found in Jesus that these people of faith were waiting for. And let's unpack that for just a moment. There's something better. If you look at the book of John, Jesus teaches in every chapter of the book of John how he's better than. He's better than all of the teaching of the Old Testament. He's better than all of the teaching that they'd memorized. He's better than. One of my favorite places where it comes out is John chapter 4 when he's with the woman at the well, right? I'm better than, than, the, than all of the prophets teaching. I'm better than this water. In fact, he refers to himself as a gift. He, he says, if you drink of the water that I give you, the gift of living water, it'll spring up within you, right? Who wouldn't want that, right? So Jesus refers to himself as the better gift. John chapter 14, he refers to himself as the way, the truth, the life, better than. John chapter 15, abide in me and I will abide in you for apart from me, you you can do nothing. He's better, right? In John chapter 3, John chapter 3, verse 16, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should have eternal life. He offers better life. In Jesus, there's better than. And so what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here is that all these, all these testimonies, all these stories, though commended for their faith because God bore witness about them, they're in here. They're in the hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 um, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us. So we've got to explain that for just a second. How did they not receive what was promised? I'm glad you asked. They didn't receive what was promised because there's Old Testament, right? Old Testament. So all of the things that God did, all of the things, all the stories of faith that we see, by faith this, by faith that, by faith Noah, right, by faith Enoch, by faith Rahab, you know, all of these different by faith stories that happened from Genesis through Malachi, the Italian way of saying Malachi, okay, just making sure we're all on the same page, right, from Genesis to Malachi, all these things that happened, who hadn't walked earth yet? Jesus, right? He hadn't come on the scene yet. Now, all of these people would have known the promise of Jesus, right? They would have known the promise of Jesus. They would have known that a, that a Savior was coming. We see that in the woman at the well, right? I've heard, I've heard about this Savior that's going to come one day. He's going to save us, right? So she references that, and, the, and Jesus looks at her and is like, yeah, I whom you speak of am He, Right? In John chapter 4, go read it um, in your own time. We don't have to, time to look at it this morning. Um, but but so, so Jesus is teaching, right? And so they heard 
about the promise, but they had not yet received the promise since God had provided something better for us, and that something better being Jesus. That's something better being Jesus. And so we see that these stories, these people of faith, David, Samson, Jephthah, all of these stories of faith, by faith Abraham, by faith um, uh, Isaac, you know, all of these stories of faith, they had the promise of the Savior, but, he, but Jesus hadn't come to earth yet. Jesus hadn't come to earth yet. And so the first thing that we've got to point out is the something better. And what's the something better? Jesus. Jesus is better than. Right? Jesus is greater than. And that's really important to remember when we think about our second point. The second thing I want to point out is that all these, right, though commended through their faith, didn't receive what was promised, since God had provided something better that apart from us, they, they should not be made perfect. I want to talk about the Hall of Heroes. So if you're taking notes, the first thing that we, that we pointed out is the something better, right? And the something better equals Jesus. The second thing I want to point out is the Hall of Heroes. Because I think we've got to talk about this Hall of Heroes, this Hall of Faith. Who doesn't like a hero today, right? Who doesn't like a hero? Who doesn't like superheroes? And we went to Target the other day and uh, walk in the front doors. And, you know, Target's smart. It's almost like they do this for a living. Um, th- they have some people research this stuff, right? Because they put that little dollar bin, that $3 bin, right up there in between the bathrooms where all of the toddlers are going to see things, Right? And so we're walking into Target, and all of a sudden, Ezra, my little four-year-old boy, right, takes off, starts sprinting over towards that dollar bin. Why? Because he sees Iron Man and Captain America. And it was this dollar things that you throw at the window, and then they just kind of fall down, and they stick to everything, and then you got to Windex the whole thing. Thanks a lot, Target. Right? But it's a buck, right? And you know if you say no to them, you're not going to get through the rest of the store, right? And don't criticize my parenting, okay? Because I know that's the temptation right now, that you guys are like, oh, you just give your son everything he wants. No. I said no to a lot of other things. That Anyway, we're not getting on that. This isn't a parenting message. The point is, we all like superheroes. They stand out to us. We know them. We, we, we see the logos, right? Captain America, Superman, you know, Batman, all the, all, the, all the superheroes. And here, Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Heroes. But it's important to remember, because some, sometimes we can, look at these, uh, we can look at these folks that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, we can look at these stories and we can say, wow, they were awesome. Right? And sometimes we don't see the whole story. Sometimes we don't get the whole picture of these people when we're reading the story, when we're talking about the story, or this or that or the other. But it's important to remember that the heroes in this chapter, in the Hall of Heroes, in the Hall of Faith, were quite fallible in character. It's important to remember that God accomplishes big things. God accomplishes Him-sized things through common people like us. And that's what I see the most encouragement in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 uh, from, is that these were, these were common people that were capable. All they did was say yes to God. All they did was say yes 
to God. They didn't, they didn't try to reason God out of the thing. They didn't try to logic God out of the thing. They just felt God move and say yes. Like, can you imagine if Noah was here? Would you want to hear something else I was studying on sabbatical? You know why they didn't play cards on the ark? Because Noah was standing on the deck. You finally laughed. Thanks. Um, is that because you finally got it or because I was looking at you and you felt bad for me? Okay, yeah, all right, good. We'll talk about it later. Um, but think about Noah for a second. Like, let's just, let's, just, let's just run with this for a moment. Let's say God put on your heart Chris Turner this morning, right? And, and the Mission of Love Orphanage in Zambia. And you know what? They could probably, you know, use some extra funds to accomplish some things. You know, maybe, maybe I'll give Chris a, a little bit more money um, to go to Zambia. But, but that'll mean I've got to give up my coffee money for the week. God, I don't really know if you're calling me to give up my coffee money for the week. Can you imagine sitting down and having that conversation with Noah? Like, Noah, what do you think? What do you think? Well, I don't know. God called me to build an ark and look crazy in front of every person that I ever knew, including my family, to some extent, but you're worried about your coffee money. You see that? I mean, and I get it. I know some of you in here are wrestling with job situations and, and calls to ministry and different, different things. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize. I'm not trying to minimize a step of faith because everything's a step of faith. But sometimes the response is just yes. Sometimes the response is yes. And these hall of he- this hall of heroes, right, it's important to see that they were human. It's important to know that they were fallible. They became heroic not by their abilities, not by their advantages, but by the one in whom they placed their faith. And the important thing about each story that we see here, the important thing about each story that we've heard about over the last 18, 17, 18 weeks is the place that they placed their faith. The person in whom they place their faith, the something better, Jesus. I think to really capture what the writer of Hebrews is getting at, we've got to jump into chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where we see therefore, right? Romans chapter, I mean, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, right? And what do we always say? Anytime you see a therefore in Scripture, you've got to ask what the therefore is there for. Right? And so in, in Hebrews chapter, keep wanting to say Romans, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we see therefore. What's the therefore therefore? As a result of all of these stories of faith, as a result of the hall of faith, this hall of Hebrews, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what's the cloud of witnesses? All the testimonies. All the stories, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now let's take this line by line. We've already talked about the therefore, and we talked about since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of 
witnesses because of the testimony, right? Because of the testimony of these people, because of the testimony of faith, because of how God bore witness about these people in Hebrews chapter 11. And, and the confidence that that gives us, right? The confidence that that gives us going forward. And, and, and I think the application here, right, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you know one thing that I think we could get better at as the church of Jesus Christ in the world? Celebrating the wins. And not being so critical of the other stuff. Like, I'll be honest with you. I wish you knew. <laughs> I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you, and I know, I know how this is going to sound, but I don't care at the, in this moment. I wish I could tell you how much you were missed on Sunday mornings. Well, what about the other times? I'm not talking about the other times. I'm just talking about Sunday mornings right now. Man. Man, like, Sunday mornings were, were one of the hardest parts about sabbatical. Do we go to church? Which church do we go to? Where do we sit? If we go to that church, I got to be a back row Baptist for a few weeks. That was awesome. <laughs> Loved it. Now I get why you sit back there. Um, it's fun. You can throw things at people. You can sleep. Anyway, lean your head on the back wall. I get it, man. I get it. I get it. But I got to be honest with you. There's no one In my opinion, and everybody's entitled to their wrong opinion, in my opinion, man, there's no one that does worship like our worship team. Man, it's so good. Like we'd get in the car. Well, Travis, you're talking bad about it. No, I'm just saying our worship's better. Man, like, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and and. One of the things I realized, it was Father's Day, I realized as I was walking out of the church, I'm like, man, I don't celebrate our worship team enough. They rock. They rock. We talk about whether or not they're too loud, whether they're too soft, whether the piano's overpowering, or whether the drums, are, whether the devil's in the drums, or, you know, we got enough singers up here, or, you know, all, which read Psalm 150, and you'll see that. But anyway, I mean, we, 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 we talk about so many other things but we don't, I don't celebrate those guys enough. I don't celebrate the fact that they spend like two, two and a half hours here on a Wednesday night preparing for this on Sunday morning. We don't celebrate the time and effort that goes into shepherding that team and leading them in devotions and, and, and selecting songs and the process that goes into selecting songs. I'm like, man, I need to celebrate our worship team more. we got to celebrate. Now, with that, we don't only celebrate the great times and the times where we clearly score a touchdown or, or clearly, you know, get it through the uprights or whatever. I also think we got to celebrate the wins that were accomplished through suffering. The wins that were accomplished through hard times. I got to spend the week at Johnny and Friends this past week, which is a, uh, a retreat for families affected by disability, and one of our short-term missionaries uh, that was there had a camper, and they're paired one-on-one -on -one match, and on Monday, things got really tense. 
Monday, things got really tense with his camper. and He was shouting that he hated his short-term missionary that paid a lot of money to be there and taking a week off of work and all this stuff. And he didn't want him to be there and all of this. And it just, it, it, was, it was really, really, really tough for the short-term missionary. And as I talked to them later on in the week, um, they, 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 can, they confided to me that they were so tempted to get in their car and leave, but they were so glad that they didn't. And I got a chance to kind of speak in front of everybody that Wednesday night, and I looked at that person across the room, and I said, man, you are James chapter 1 to me. Blessed are those who persevere when they encounter trials of various kinds, for the testing of their faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its, perf- let, let, let endurance have its complete work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And I looked, and I said, that's what God's done in your life this week. Even though it was really hard, and you didn't see it as a win on Monday, you see it as a win on Wednesday. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, right, we have a responsibility to celebrate, to celebrate what God's doing in our lives. The great times where things feel really good and the hard times where things don't feel really good, but God's trying to accomplish the same thing. And then he says, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin and weight which clings so closely. So how many of you know, this might be news to some of you, so don't necessarily raise your hand, but maybe I'll get an amen or two. How many of you know you're a sinner? Amen. Okay, great. I told you not to raise your hand. Good listening. All right. All right. And it's that sin, right, that separates us from God. Right? It's the sin. We know that, right? Sin separates us from God. And so we're, we, we all battle those things. The issue, when it comes to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 or 2, when, in, when he says, therefore, because of this hall of heroes, because of this hall of faith, surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses of faith, let us lay aside every weight. My fear for us is we don't deal with the weight. My fear for us is, 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 okay, okay, here's what I'm going to do. You know what? All right, I hear you. You want me to lay it aside. I'm just going to put it in my back pocket. I'm not going to lay it aside. I'm just going to kind of sweep it under the rug of my heart, and I'm going to keep it here because there's, there, there's, there's a piece of this weight. Now, I hope you hear what I'm saying. I hope you hear what the writer of Hebrews is saying in this. Right? There's a piece of this weight that makes me feel comfortable. There's a piece of this weight that makes me feel secure. There's a piece of this weight that I'm not quite sure I can let go of yet. You're missing the first point. Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what confidence that should give us in God the Father. The something better, His Son. Right? Let us lay aside every sin and weight which clings so closely. Man, some of you have been a Christian for 20 plus years, 10 plus years, and you still haven't dealt with the thing that you were dealing with when you gave your life to Him. Because you haven't laid it aside. You haven't laid it aside. Then he says, let us run. Let us run. What I love about that is that faith is action. Faith is action. I saw saw one of the cheesy church signs um, recently that says, um, but but I was really challenged by it and was like shouted amen in the car as 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 I passed by it. 
Everyone loves to serve God as an advisor. It's a good one, isn't it? Ouch. <laughs> right? Everyone loves to serve God as an advisor. Everyone wants to be at the table. Right? You get the point. Faith is action. Faith is taking a step. Faith is movement. And like we've already said, each one of these stories in the Hall of Faith and the Hall of Hebrews, Heroes said yes and made a move. Faith takes action. So let us lay aside every sin and weight which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. Now let's talk about endurance for a minute, right? Because I think this is, uh, last night when I, when I kind of closed the book on the message, I had those two clumped together. Let us run with endurance. But then this morning I was like, no, we've got we to split those up because we can run, right? And, and there are some of us that can run and we can sprint really well, but we can't, we can't run a, a half marathon or a marathon, right? There's a big difference in running 100 meters and running a half marathon, right? Amen? This means yes, this means no. Okay, right? So let's talk about the endurance. One of the things that um, we got the chance to do on sabbatical is me and the older girls, Bria and Micah, we got the chance to go hike Mount Katahdin. And I learned some things on this day, hiking Mount Katahdin. How many of you have ever been to Mount Katahdin? Man, one thing I learned about Mount Katahdin is Ben Pino is right. It is an angry mountain. Both times I was on Mount Katahdin this summer, I said to this mountain that it needed counseling, and I knew some good people in the Portland area that it could come down and see, because this mountain has issues, and it needs Jesus. And so I was praying. Anyway, that's another story for another message. But the girls and I got a chance to go up and hike Mount Katahdin, and the group that we were with, we were in a big group, a bunch of people. It was with Bria's class, and, and her teacher does this trip like every year, and um, so we went up on Friday, we camped out, hiked on Saturday, and, and then came back on Sunday. It was middle to end of June. Um, and uh, <clears throat> on Saturday, everybody was just planning to hike to Chimney Pond. Which if you don't know Mount Katahdin, Chimney Pond is a three and a half mile hike. It's pretty rugged, but it's doable, right? And you get to Chimney Pond, and, and, uh, and they won't let you swim in it, which is a real bummer. Because by the time you get there after three and a half miles, you just want to dive in, Right? Um, but they wouldn't let us swim in it, and, and, and so we started hiking at 6.15 in the morning, and we got to Chimney Pond at about 8.15, two hours in, two hours, Bria they did awesome, right? Two hours, three and a half miles to Chimney Pond, we're there, we're hanging out, and, and a lot of the group was turning around, that was all they were going to do, Chimney Pond and back, and I looked at the kids and I said, if we turn around, we're going to be back to the campsite at like 10.30, 11 o'clock, and we're going to sit in our tent with a thousand mosquitoes for the rest of the day. Let's keep hiking. And both girls looked back at me and said, no. <laughs> We're done. We're going to turn around. Let's go. Because another variable is the easier trail um, was closed because there were still seven-foot snow drifts on June 22nd, which I'm not sure what the big deal of that was. But anyway, um, so we had one option to go to the top of Mount Katahdin, and that was straight-up cathedral. Which Cathedral is a really tough trail, but it's only a mile and a half. And so I thought, wow, this is half the distance of that easy trail, so we'll get up there way quicker. So I went back to the girls and I was explaining, I was like, hey, you know, it's only a mile and a half. I think we can do this. We can summit. I think we should keep going, right? I think we should keep going. Both of them looked at me and said, we don't want to. And so I waited about five minutes and I went back to the girls and, and I told them, hey, this is what we're going to do. 
we're going to keep going, right? And they're like, oh, okay, whatever. And so we went around and actually said, we'll go around and we'll kind of look at it because there were, you couldn't really see it at the point. I said, let's just look at it. Let's get to the base and then we'll decide, right? They called it Boulder Field. And we'll get to Boulder Field and then we'll decide. We got to Boulder Field. And I was looking. I'm like, man, that doesn't look that bad, right? So about 9 o'clock, we headed up Cathedral. At 1.15, we had made it a mile, so a little over four hours, we had made it a mile. And um, we had convinced, and, and, and another couple and their two kids had decided to attempt cathedral with us. And so there were seven of us in the group, three adults, four kids. And a mile in, we still had a half mile to go to the summit. All four kids are crying. It was a great parent moment. <laughs> Me and the other two parents, we looked at each other. And we were just like, we are winning right now. Celebrate the win, <laughs> right? We're crushing this parenting thing. And I had never been that far north. If you've never been that far north in, uh, to like Baxter State Park, your phone doesn't work at all, which is great until you've got four kids crying on the side of a mountain and you're trying to figure out how you're going to get down. And so um, I saw these two guys descending the mountain like angels. And they really looked like they knew what was going on. And sure enough, I went up to them, and they're like, yeah, we've hiked this mountain like 35 times. And one of them was about to have a baby like the next week, so it was his last hike before he became a father. And I'm like, oh, man, that's awesome. I got four kids, two of them are right here. They're, they love me, and I love them. And they, he looks over, and both girls are crying their eyes out. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it really looks like they love me right now. Anyway, and, um, and, 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 and uh, I just asked him. I was like, okay, what's ahead? And he's like, well, you got a half mile to go. Yeah, How, what's it like? He's like, it's, it's pretty much the same of what you've been doing. I'm like, okay, so we could summon at 3 o'clock uh, if everything goes well. And he said, but here's the deal. When you get to the top, it's windy. Like, it's really, really windy. I was like, oh, great. And so he looked at the kids, and he looked at Micah, and he said, when you get to the top, if you keep going, hold her hand because she literally might get blown off the mountain. And I said, okay, so we'll turn around then. And I went back to the kids and, and the other adults there, and we were finally eating our sandwiches and having a little bit of lunch and resting up and trying to decide what we were going to do. And I looked at the kids and I said, okay, here's the deal. We're turning around. They were out of there. I have never seen four kids descend a mountain so fast. It was like 1.15. We were back at Chimney Pond at like 2.30. I mean, it was unbelievable. They were gone. They got down that mountain so quickly and safely. It hailed on us as we were going back down because the mountain was angry at us that we were, that we, that we were giving up apparently or whatever. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable, right? We experienced so much. And we got back to the car at 5.15 that night. They hiked for 11, we, we hiked for 11 hours. You know what I learned that day? Watching my daughters conquer Katahdin. I mean, we didn't summit, but man... Seeing my daughters go two-thirds up the way cathedral was unbelievable. The God conversation I had with each of them separately was, was a moment you couldn't, you, you can never take away from me for the rest of my life. Like, it just was awesome. Sorry. I told you it was a gift. The thing I learned, you don't just go hike Mount Katahdin. You don't just go hike a mountain. Like there's preparation involved. 
If you're really going to hike a mountain, if you're going to do it right, right? If you're going to summit and you're going to do all those things, right? And I went back a couple weeks later and actually did summit with Mike, my brother-in-law, and it was awesome. Um, we, it, yeah, it was awesome and um, loved it, loved every minute of it. But as I watched my daughters go down that mountain and the proud dad moment that that was, I thought, wow, what would that have looked like if we had trained for it? What would that have looked like if we were if we were more ready? Like if we had done a few hikes before and that this wasn't their first hike because all the way down the mountain they're telling me, Daddy, we're never hiking again. <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, but you were just on the hardest trail that there is. And and I convinced them, maybe bribed them a little bit, and they actually summited Mount Washington a few weeks later. So that was awesome. So they they had a little bit of redemption. But you don't just go out and hike a mountain. And I think when it comes to our race, going back to Hebrews chapter 12, where he says, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. There are some of us in our Christian walk that set out for a marathon, but we've never even run a half a mile. It takes training. It takes accountability. It takes training. And the last thing he says that I want to point out, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's the why. If we're going to live by faith, if we're going to walk by faith, if we're going to take steps of faith, we can't forget the why. Looking to Jesus, looking to the something better, looking to why we started in the first place. Jesus. So what? Why live by faith? What does all this mean? If you look at Jeremiah chapter 29, there are a few verses I want to close with. And they go a little bit like this. Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 11, which is a very popular verse, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. He says, then you will call upon me, this is God speaking, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. And then look at verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all nations and all places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you to exile. I was sitting around in the first of July, and I came across Jeremiah 29, 13, that verse that's sandwiched right in there. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart with your whole heart. And I started to think to myself in, in the first of July, man, what do I pursue? What is the pursuit of my heart? What's the pursuit of my heart? And I started thinking, I started thinking, I was like, man, you know, I never have a problem pursuing food. That's one, 
you know, three to ten times a day, I never have a problem pursuing food. I never have a problem finding food. I never have a, I, that's not an issue for me. And so I just was thinking about a couple other things. That, you know what? They're not hard for me to pursue. They're easy. And so then I started thinking, well, what are the things that I want to pursue? All right, and so I started making a list. I was journaling. I was making a list. And, and so I started thinking of the things I wanted to pursue. And I, and I thought, well, yeah, I want to pursue God, right? You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I would love the, for, for the pursuit of my heart to be God. What else? I, I want to pursue Kristen. I think that's probably a good idea. She's my wife, right? I want to pursue my wife. I love her. I love spending time with her. She's my best friend. I want to pursue the heart of my wife. I want to pursue the heart of Bria and Micah and Ezra and Vera. We'll leave the dog out of that one. I want to pursue the hearts of my kids. I want to pursue the heart of Summit. You. Again, man, I miss you. Like, I want to pursue you as your shepherd, right? If I'm going to be a shepherd, i got to smell like my sheep. And so I want to pursue you. You are in the, in the pursuit of my heart. And I started thinking, wow, that's, that's a lot. That's like seven or eight things right there off the bat. And so I, was, I, I got the opportunity a couple days later to go and spend some time with one of my accountability partners on, on his boat, which if you're looking for an accountability partner, um, look, look for one that has a boat. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's really cool. And he invited me out on his boat, just me and him, for, for some time. And, and so I, I went out with him uh, one evening, I think it was a Monday or Tuesday night, and we're out on the boat on Little Sebago, and, and we, we're having dinner, just, just he and I, and we're talking, um, and, and, and we, we started saying, you know, what are, what are we getting out of the Scriptures? What are you getting out of the Scriptures? What are you getting out of the Scriptures? How's your relationship with God? Are you spending time with Jesus? You know, this and that. And, and so I shared with him, man, I came across Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen the other day, and I said, it goes like this, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I thought about the pursuit of my heart, and here's the deal, man, I've already got like seven or eight things that I've got to pursue, and it's a little overwhelming, and they're all good things, but, but I don't have time for anything else. Like when you start thinking about this, this is, this, this is all I've got. And so he sat there for a minute. He, he thought about it for a minute. He looked back at me and he said, something I'll never forget. He said, do you think God wants you to be a good husband? What do you think, Mike? You think God wants me to be a good husband? Yeah, you think so? He said, do you think God wants me to be a good father? Do you think God wants you to be a good father? What do you think, Josh? you think God wants me to be a good father? Probably, right? I mean, that's in Scripture. Dylan, what do you think? you think God wants me to be a good pastor? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> Missed you too. So he started asking me. He's like, do you think God wants to be a good father? Do you think God wants you to be a good husband? Do you think God wants you to be a good pastor? And I was like, yeah. And the next thing he said was this. He said, so it sounds to me like if you pursue God, he's going to work out the rest of that for his glory. So it sounds like you just have to pursue one thing. I sat about it, thought about that for a minute on the boat. and It's like, man, yeah, I'm really glad I thought of that. And when I left that night, I can't tell you how freeing that was. 
Because I, I, like, I feel like so many of us, we sit here and we're like, man, I got to pursue this, I got to pursue that, I got to pursue this, I got to be good at my job, I got to be good at this, I got to be, you know, I got you know, to deliver here, I got to be. No, 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 no. What would it look like? What would it look like? And, and maybe the, the vision and the passion that I have coming back here with you as, as, as God is kind of stirring this in my heart. What does it look like if each one of us woke up tomorrow morning and said, you know what? The pursuit of my heart is Jesus. The pursuit of my heart is the something better. The pursuit of my heart is Jesus. And he's going to take care of me being a good husband. He's going to take care of me shepherding my kids. He's going to take care of me being enough for you and, and, all, and, and all that that entails. What does it look like? For the pursuit of our heart to be Jesus. You go back to that Hebrews chapter 12. We've got to look at the cloud of witnesses. We've got to lay aside some things. We've got to take some actions. If, 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 if the pursuit of our heart is going to be Jesus, what needs to change? You know the biggest thing, I think, for us? I didn't go here in the first service, but I want to go here now. Dylan's going to come and, and, and get ready for something. I think what needs to change for us is the want to. I was looking at a group of guys a couple weeks ago, and I said, you know, guys, the thing about us is we make time for the things that we want to we make time for our want to. And I think that's the importance of the hall of faith. I think that's the importance of the, the hall of Hebrew, heroes here in Hebrews chapter 11. Is since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses that testify, that testify to the something better. You could do this or you could do that, but there is a something better on this side. And I think that Hall of Heroes is there to stir in us the want to. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What a promise of God. And I think so many of us are disappointed in our relationship with God. We're disappointed. We're let down in our marriages and we're let down as parents and we're let down as children because the pursuit of our heart is the wrapping and not the gift. And we're seeking but we're not finding. So we're keeping that thing in the back pocket instead of laying it down. So it was a couple days after the boat that I was driving and this song came on the radio and it floored me because it said all the things that I was trying to say from that Jeremiah 29, 13. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so I asked Dylan, I said, hey man, would you be willing to play this song my first Sunday back? Because I just think it goes right along with where we're going. And he kind of dragged his feet a little bit. So kind of like Katahdin, I, I got to the place where I finally said, Dylan, you're going to play this song. For me the first Sunday back. That was like Friday, right? And um, <laughs> here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen 
The words are going to be on the screen. The words are awesome. So I want you to follow along with the words. But here's the question that I want you to deal with God. What needs to get out of the way? So that the something better can be the pursuit of my heart. Some of you need to define. Because I, I, if you're like me, you, you, need to, you need to stop in the beginning and say, I need to define the pursuit of my heart. Like, I don't know. Like, there are so many things. What, what is the pursuit of my heart currently? Because I don't know, because I'm dragged in so many places. I'm pulled in so many places. I'm involved in so many things. I'm doing all this stuff. I need to know what the pursuit of my heart is. And, and, and I, can't even, I can't even place Jesus to something better as the pursuit of my heart because my heart is in so many other things. And so, maybe that's where you need to start. But what would it look like if Jesus was the pursuit of your heart? 